So this is the third part of our series on build, let God build your future. And I'm going to give a little recap for those that haven't been here before and just a reminder for those that have. We first talked about how in Jeremiah, God says that I have, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future and give you a hope. So God has plans. He's designed and orchestrated and put together uh, uh, some blueprints to organize and establish your future. Isn't that good to know that he's not lost? He's not wondering where he's going to put you. But he actually has a plan that if we can get and follow the plan, we can find the rewards that he has planned for us. He wants to establish us. Remember, Paul said, I've finished my course. I've run the race we got to get on our course. Are you on your course? Are you where God wants you to be so that you can finish the race and actually receive the blessings that he has in store for you? Because it doesn't do any good just to do what you want to do. You have to do what God has designed you to do. That way you'll be satisfied in yourself and you'll satisfy him and you'll be a blessing to others. Can I get an amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Well, he, the Bible says that he saw us in our mother's womb. Did you know that? He saw you being formed, being knit together, and he made a plan for you. you said, he said, you are wonderfully and fearfully made. And that word made means made for a purpose, made to do something, not just to sit around on the couch and watch TV. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay. He said, God was with us when? Yesterday today and forever. Amen? Tomorrow. I, you know, Walt Disney has uh, Tomorrowland. You remember Tomorrowland? You ever go there? Now, Tomorrowland is almost like Todayland now because all the things that Walt Disney projected and thought to have, we already are experiencing now. I was telling my wife, you know, we get on something like a monorail when we take the gold, gold line to Pasadena. It's not a steam engine. It's an electronic, you know, train that we get on. And uh, we have those, those uh, escalators, those walking escalators at the airport where you just walk. That's like a people mover, right? So if Walt Disney could think ahead, surely God can think ahead and give us some things that he wants us to do, to plan ahead, right? He, but he was the God of our yesterday. All the things that we did wrong, where we were, all messing up and everything, God was there. He was watching us. He was coaxing us. He was protecting us. He was teaching us some things as we're going along so that when we get to the point now where we're at today, he can use those things to be a blessing to others. Our mess is our message. Our test is now our testimony to tell people where they're at. One person was telling me how he's all caught up in drugs, and he said, I'm just so, I feel so bad because, you know, I've disappointed the Lord. And I go, you don't have to worry about the Lord, Okay. He's not disappointed. He's been around a long time and he's seen a lot of people have to overcome these things. Just get tough and let his power come on the inside of you. Praise God. Then you'll be a testimony. Then you'll be able to come back and tell people, this is how I got out of it. Praise the Lord. So, uh, and then he's the, the God of forever, of your tomorrow. He knows what he, where he wants to take you. He wants to guide you to that place where he's preordained that you should be walking in. Amen. So first, uh, we want to know that he's going to build our future. Second, he wants to build in us the future or build in us the character to go to the future. We can't go sometimes the way we are. He has to perfect us on the inside, correct us in the situations that we're going through. So uh, we have to know that he, we, we have to, and there were some hard scriptures that we went through yesterday or last Sunday. We have to forgive the unforgivable. We have to love the unlovely. Can I get an amen? Yeah. 
You ever met any people like that? They're nice to your face. Oh, we just love you. You're so wonderful. Then you hear they're talking bad about you. How could that be? Not in this church, but in other churches, maybe <laughs> outside somewhere, you know. I can remember when I was at first at church, my first church, and it was, a, it was a good church. We had a lot of um, good preachers, about 500, 600 people, and I couldn't get in the lineup. You know, I couldn't get into the preaching uh, schedule. You know, they said, well, you know, sometime, sometime later, maybe, maybe, maybe. And so uh, they didn't think I could really do it. And so they had one lady who knew the pastor real well. And she is another one of those, you know, hard to get along with people. I don't know if you've ever met any of these people. They just <laughs> kind of jam you up, you know. And you always know because she gets you in a corner and then she starts talking slow. You ever met these people? Uh, let me talk to you about some things. Uh, do you have a minute? Oh, God. Why, why did you do this and, and that? And why didn't you include this? And what was your thinking in that? Take that deep breath, you know. <laughs> Lord, give me wisdom on this one. And so I said, well, this is what I did. And I explained it all to her, very peaceful. She went, hmm, okay, very good. I'm making peace. Why do I want to start a fire, <laughs> right? Especially because since she knows the pastor real well. What, am I stupid or something? So one day I was doing a funeral, and she was in the front row. And I was preaching up a storm. I was telling them about Jesus, telling them about forgiveness of sins and how the blood of Jesus wiped us out and made us whole. And I was talking about it, and she got so excited, she went to the pastor and said, oh, man, you got to put Pastor Chuck up there because he's preaching good. He knows how to preach. He knows how to deliver the word of God. And that's how I got started in my career as ministry. Now, if I would have been mean to the woman, she would have been on the front row going like, I don't like you anyway right? Be peaceable to people. Be loving. Be kind. All right. So that was the warm-up. Now we're going to talk about this week, okay? This is the third part of the series we're going to talk about, receiving what God has planned for you. I don't know if you noticed, but God talks in the past tense a lot. He talks about like we have already been forgiven. You have already been favored in his eyes. We have already been blessed. We already have been approved. We already have been accepted in the book. It's already done. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to beg for it. It's already done when you're a saint of God, when you've accepted Jesus in your life. It's past tense. You know, all the other religions are do, do, do. You got to do this and do that to get acceptance. The Bible says it's done in Jesus Christ. It is finished. Everything that you needed to be done to get salvation has already been accomplished through Jesus Christ. That's good news, isn't it? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says that God has blessed us with every blessing in spiritual places. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Every one. All the blessings. So what do we have to do? Open up our spiritual eyes to see where the blessings are. We don't have to beg God. We don't have to twist his arm. We don't have to get a lawyer to make our case for us. It's already been given to us. Isn't that good news? The Bible says it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says he withholds no good gift to them that love him. Withholds no. When I heard that, I said, wow, that sounds great. God's not withholding anything from him. He wants to give us. All we have to do is what? Pick it up. Receive it. I heard this story about one minister on the radio. He was talking about... 
he, he came home one, one day and his daughter was there and he said, Daddy, she was like 10 years old, he said, Daddy, uh, I get to go to the movies with my cousin and out to eat, but I need some money. He said, oh yeah, baby doll, it's, uh, I, got some, I got $20 on my dresser upstairs. You can go get it. She said, okay. She gave him a kiss and went out the door. She said, he said, wait a minute, wait, aren't you going to go get it? And she smiled and looked at him and said, I already got it, Dad. I knew you were going to give it to me. So. <laughs> but see, that's the heart of God. He already wants to give it to you. You don't have to force it on him, amen? So let me tell you a little bit about how God talks in the past tense. God told Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. Past tense. I already did it. I already know your future. I, don't know, I already know what I'm going to do with you. Abraham doubted. He laughed. He took Sarah's handmaiden. He lied. He did all kinds of crazy stuff. But God said, I'm not concerned about that. I have made you a father of many. I'm going to bring it to pass. What has he promised you? What has he told you you're going to do? Your children are going to be saved, living for the Lord. You're going to be prosperous or, or at least, you know, take care of these bills, get a house. Whatever it, it is that God has promised you, you have to know that he already knows that he put that promise on the inside of you. He will fulfill it. Do you know that, and, and a lot of times we have to be reassured. God had to speak to Abraham six times, appear to him six times and tell him, I have made you a father of many nations. In you and your seed, all the nations will be blessed. Six times, you think one would be enough, wouldn't it? Two, maybe three, that's enough? No, six times. He finally had to take him outside for a walk at nighttime. He said, look at the stars. As many of these stars are, is as many as the descendants are going to be from you. He says, okay, I believe you. And it was counted to him for righteousness. So that's the plan that he has for you. How about for Joshua? Remember Joshua? This was the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. This was the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down, right? So with Jericho, I was looking at this last night. It was not just one wall. It was two walls. It was a double wall. The first wall was 15 feet high. Then behind it, a little ways, was another wall 26 feet high. So it was a double wall. I mean, there's, and, and so the whole total was over 40 feet high. And so God looks at the city and he tells Joshua, see, I have given you the city. And Joshua says, I don't, all I see is a big wall. I don't see no us having the city. Because see, what happened was all the little inhabitants, they were in tents outside the walls, but when tr intruders came, they would go inside and hide in there. It was only about like a seven acre square uh, you know, seven acres and about 1,200 people, and they all huddled together. And they, just, the Bible says that they were tightly shut up. And nobody went in and nobody went out. And Joshua says, "Well, how are we going to beat this?" But God said, "I'm going to do it with my power, my strength. Believe in me." And He made them walk around in a march, not saying anything for six days. And on the seventh day, on the seventh time around, they got to shout. Some some people there said, "No, we don't shout at our church." No, you better shout, okay? They shouted and the walls came down. But God already knew the future. He, you have to look into the spirit realm, into the future realm, and see what God has for you, right? So you can't say, I'll never get ahead. I'll never get I never get any good breaks. You have to speak what God said. You have to get in agreement with him. Say, I have the favor of God on me. I have the blessings of God. They're chasing me down. In Psalms 139, it says what? Goodness or Psalms uh, 91, surely goodness and mercy shall 
follow me all the days of my life. Amen? You have to believe that. That's, that's speaking uh, 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 faith and it's speaking power. Now, there's a freedom in knowing that God is on your side fighting for you and defending you and taking up your causes. It's a good feeling to know that no matter what you do wrong and what you get yourself into, God is there to defend you. Now, remember the picnic that we had a couple of weeks ago? Well, we didn't know that that field, that baseball field, that, we, that was not reserved. We reserved the picnic area, but we didn't know that the baseball field was not reserved. So Marianne and I, we went there a week before, and we looked at it and said, hmm, the, the gates are locked here. How are we going to get in? And we called the center where we made the reservation and said, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the Little League Park, and you're not allowed to go in there, or you, you have to get the key to get in there. We go, you have to get the key. Do you have the key? No, we don't have the key. <laughs> where can we get the key? Well, you have to call Mike. Mike's the park director, director of all, over all the parks. Okay, I called Mark, um, Mike for over a week, every day, three times a day. I wanted to get in there. <laughs> and, you know, he's a busy guy. He went to a meeting. I'm sorry he's not here. You know, he just left. I, this was, went on for four days. So finally on Thursday, we went there, and we were talking to the Little League uh, coach, and, and we said, um, we got to get a hold of Mike. So I know he was off on Friday. So we said to the park director, okay, who's Mike's boss? And amazingly so, after they gave us the number, uh, the name, we got a call from Mike a half hour later. <laughs> he said, what is, what's up? I go, we got to get in. He goes, I don't have the key. I don't know where to get the key. But you can play there if you want to play. I go, really? And the baseball guy goes, yeah, people hop the fence all the time. <laughs> so my ingenious mind says, we're going to bring a ladder so everybody can climb up Go over the fence. You're laughing because I was going to wonder how Norma was going to do this. And get down on the step stool and go down, right? <laughs> See, I mean, that's all I could come up with, right? And so Saturday night, about 8 o'clock, I go to the park, the picnic area, because I want to make it nice for us. So I started sweeping it up and, and cleaning it out and getting it ready for us to go. And as I'm there, this guy pulls up with his bike, and he's got a little uh, wagon with him here. And he's going into the trash, and he's digging out the trash cans, and he's putting in the wagon. So I start talking to him because I'm a good, nice guy, right? <laughs> Asking about his life, how he's doing, and everything. And uh, I said, yeah, we're at church. We're going to come here uh, tomorrow. He goes, oh, yeah, I can see that. And he says, uh, I said, we're going to try to play in the field. I go, do you ever see guys jump over the fence? He goes, oh, yeah, they do it all the time. He goes, do you want to go in the field? I go, yeah. He goes, I got the key. <laughs> I said, what? The park director doesn't have the key. The area director, you have the key? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have the he, said, <laughs> he said, what time do you want me to open it up? I go, well, 3 o'clock would be good. I'll see you here at 3 o'clock. So I call my wife, and she goes, you know, I knew the Lord was going to help you out. I knew the Lord was going to bail you out. When you got the Lord on your side, he can turn things around for your good. And, you know, all week long, I'm going like, Lord, where are you? What's happening? You ever feel that way? Like, Lord, anytime now, please, I'm ready. 
And, and he, he, he waits sometimes to the last minute. It's like D-Day, you know, like, come on, Lord. So you have to believe that God is on your side, that he's helping you. But you can't look at what you see sometimes. You can't look at your checking account. You can't look at your doctor's report. You have to look at the word of God. A lot of people say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. But faith is not that way. Faith is believe it, and then you'll see it. Jeremiah 1.12 says he watches over his word to perform it. So if you're speaking his word, he said, I will perform it in your life. That's good news, right? Faith is believing like it's so. It's talking like it's so. It's thinking like it's so. It's acting like it's so. It's walking like it's so. And it's expecting it like it's so. Like he is going to be there for you. You can't walk with your head down and, and all in the mully grubs and People ask you, how are you doing? Oh, it's, it's not good. I'm not doing good. It's bad. It's really, really bad. <laughs> but I have the joy of the Lord. <laughs> no, we have to walk with confidence knowing that we are children of the Most High. We have royalty in our blood. Amen. We were, we were created to reign in life. Ain't that right, Raina? <laughs> Someone might say, well, I've been praying for favor from the Lord. You don't have to pray for what you already have. He said, I will encompass you with favor as with a shield. I'll, I'll be before you. I'll be with you. I'll be in you. Amen? Why would you pray for something that you already have? You just have to start acting like it's true. Get in agreement with God. And, you know, I, I had a good upbringing with my mother. She always said, son, you can do anything that you want to do. And I was like the number one son in an, an Italian family. That was like gold because they had all the expectations on the number one son. He was the, the highlight of the family. And so if my mom was cooking for the family and she was in the kitchen and she was making spaghetti and meatballs and bruschetta and eggplant, parmesan, it was too close to lunchtime. <laughs> and people were standing over the stove and over her shoulder, saying, oh, let me taste some of that, uh, you know, meatball, and let me have some of that spaghetti. And she said, everybody, out of the kitchen, out of the kitchen. But when number one son came home, (laughs) praise the Lord. (laughs) Son, sit down. How are you doing? I felt like Esau coming in off the head of the field. Feed me, I'm starving. (laughs) Sit down here, son. Have a meatball. Have something to eat, you know. And so I felt special, but I have to be careful because when I go to work, I have that same mentality that everybody should part the ways for me, <laughs> and they don't. We have, a, we have a little coffee break room, two coffee pots, and one sink. And I, get, I, I come in in the morning, there's like five or six people there, I'm going like, hey, 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 what are you guys doing in my kitchen? You know, get out of here. <laughs> I can't do that. I'm not at home. And they got some ladies that are dish, you know, really doing some dish, you know, cleaning their dishes. And they got the soap and everything. They got the water running. I just feel like going, like, excuse me. <laughs> but the mentality is, in God's eyes, we're all number one sons. He wants to part the ways for all of us. Praise God. In, in fact, in Psalms 31:19, it says, He has stored up blessings for those that fear him or worship him. Worship him. So we don't want to leave our blessings stored in heaven. We want to receive them in this time and in this earth. 
So how many blessings have we let pass by? How many unclaimed blessings do, have we missed? I can remember a guy named Norval Hayes. I don't know if you remember him, but he's, he's a guy that had a lot of businesses. The Lord blessed him. And there was one business that his friend got into that he didn't get into. And he asked the Lord, well, why didn't you tell me about that business so I could get into it? And the Lord said, I tried to tell you, but you just weren't listening. You weren't paying attention. How many times did we just go through things and don't hear the Lord speaking to us on how to do things. And so the Bible says that we can limit the Holy One. Can you imagine limiting God? The children of Israel, the Bible says they limited him because they didn't believe, they didn't mix the word of God with faith, and so they weren't able to receive the promised land. We don't want to be like that. And see, so how do we receive, how do we unlimit the, limit, the limitless one? It's by faith. And faith is the heavenly currency that we use to receive the blessings of God. You know, a $100 bill, you, you, you can't do much with it. You can't eat it. You can't wear it. You can't put it in your gas tank, but you can take it to the store, the grocery store. <laughs> you can take it to the, food, uh, the, the clothing store. You can take it to the gas station and exchange it for what you need. So by faith in the word of God, you take it to God and say, this is what I need. I need some healing. I need some financials. I need some uh, relationship changing. Whatever you need by faith, that's the current. God said, oh, okay, I, I can make an exchange with you now. You're believing my word so that you can have it. Amen? So that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. So it says, uh, we, God made promises to us but we have to receive it to ourselves and give an amen to it. Amen means so be it. Let it be done unto me as you have spoken. Just like Mary said, when the angel came and said, you will be pregnant. How do I know this? Since I know not a man, he said, uh, you know, God has ordained it. He says, let it be done unto me as you have spoken. So that's what we have to believe. We have to realize that, that we are the apple of God's eye. Did you know that? We are the joy of his creation. We have his DNA on the inside of us. We are his children, the sheep of his pasture. And you say, well, I can't do it in my own strength. Well, I know that. It, you can't do it in your own ability, but he is able. You can't do it in your own might, but he will give you strength. You can't do it in your own intellect, but he is smart enough to handle it for you. You have a secret weapon. It's the anointing and it's the power of God working in your life. You're not alone in this world. You're not by yourself. You have equipment. You have things to, to, to fuel you. You know, in, in, a, in a car, you can have the most beautiful car all decked out, you know, nice paint job and wax job and inside just primo, big hot engine in there. But with no gas, guess what? Not going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can look good, you can come to church, you can have your Bible, you can walk good into church and everything, but you ain't got no gas, <laughs> you ain't going anywhere, you know? You're not going to overcome your obstacles, you're not going to have your successes that you need. You need the anointing, the power of God to work in your life, amen? He makes up the difference in us. That's, that's how we receive, uh, realize our greatness, that's how we realize uh, how to overcome our obstacles and accomplish our dreams, Praise the Lord. So God didn't put you in your, the place where you're at to fail. He, he didn't put you there just to uh, uh, flounder. But he's equipped you. He's empowered you for every situation. So, you know, start, stop talking the bad thing. Don't stop uh, discounting yourself and saying that you can't do it or you're not able. You have to believe God is able through me. 
Now, it's interesting that the prophet, of, the prophet Samuel, when he anointed David to be king over Israel, what happened? Did, did they just walk right into the palace? No. He went right back to the shepherd's flock, right? Even though he was anointed to be king, because he had to be tested, he has to be tried, he, have to, he had to work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. He had to wait on the Lord to uh, perfect him. So sometimes it doesn't look like anything is happening in your life. Sometimes you might say, well, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. The odds are against me. But you have to stay in faith. Be not discouraged and talk to yourself and say that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. David could have said, aha, well, I guess Samuel missed it. That prophecy didn't come to pass. You might say, oh, that dream that's on the inside of me, it's never going to pan out. But you have to know that God is preparing you for what he has already spoken to you that you're going to have. So David, uh, let me go back. You may not have the skill or the talent or the experience, but you have to know that God has put something in your heart to do, and you must do it. His power will take you farther when God Almighty breathes on the situation. And I've seen him do it many, many times. Amen? Uh, so David, when he went back, went back to the sheepfold, he could have just said, you know, that, that was a bad prophecy. That didn't work out. But I'm stuck here, and I'm just going to take care of these stinking sheep. <laughs> but he didn't. He continued to love or take care of the sheep, began to sing to the Lord. He, said, he spoke and said uh, in Psalms 8, um, when I consider the heavens and the work of thy hands, how art thou that thou considerest me? And he sang and he, he, he killed the bear and he killed the lion. He was doing what God had called him to do where he was at. And so when Saul was tormented by an evil spirit, the, the people uh, in the palace, you know, wanted to get somebody in to sing to relieve him of that evil spirit. And they said, well, who can we find? And one man stood up and he said this of David. Imagine this. He said, I have seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre or the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking man. And the Lord is with him. How can they say that about a guy that's tending sheep? How can he be a man of war? How can he be well-spoken? How can he be brave? How can he be all these things? He was demonstrating it where he was so that when God lifted him up, he was able to do those things that he learned in the incubator, in the place where God was perfecting him. Amen? So he will propel you into your destiny. He will get you to your highest potential. He will open the doors that you could not open. He will give you favor when things are not working out. He will give you goodness that you don't deserve, and he will give you wisdom that you didn't learn. This is God Almighty saying, I know you're weak. I know you're, you're unable, but I, with you, can make something happen. When God has spoken a promise to you, he will make it come to pass. You do what you can do where you're at, and God will supply the rest. You don't have to go through life trying to do everything on your own trying to accomplish our dreams and our own ability, trying to overcome challenges in our own strength and our own intellect, our own hard work. We have an advantage. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to guide us and lead us. There is a divine empowerment 
that enables us to do the things that God has called us to do, what we couldn't do in our own. We have to learn how to rely on him and trust in him and humble ourselves and say, okay, Lord, maybe I can't do it on my own. Maybe I do need you to help. And when you've learned that principle, you can get through anything. When situations seem too difficult for you, too hard for you, you can't bear them, you have too much on your plate, you don't know what to do, Lord, help me do this. And he will come in so gently, so mightily, so perfectly to help you. So don't get tired of doing what you're doing uh, because in due season you will reap. Your due season is coming. No matter how many setbacks you've had, no matter how many disappointments you've gone through, no matter how many delays, no matter how many hang-ups you have encountered, Every day is a new day in the Lord. Amen? We must keep pressing on into glory. We need a new anointing and a new direction every day of our lives to do the things that he's called us to do each and every day. He said what? Give us this day our daily bread. Not our weekly bread, not our monthly bread, our daily bread. Let me give you strength for today. So we have to make every day a new adventure in God. Isn't that wonderful? Wake up. Okay, God, what are we going to do today? Where are you going to send me? What are you going to do? What do I have to do? And put freshness in everything you do. At your work, at your school, in your marriage. Get new thoughts, new ideas, new passions. So we have to basically call on the name of the Lord. And when you call upon the name of the Lord every day for every situation that you face, he will be there to build your future. Amen? Amen. Let that just sit with you for a minute. I hope this is encouraging you. It's a little different than I usually teach. I wanted to impart to you some encouragement to know that where you're at, God knows where you're at. And he's the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever, and your future. So he's not done with you yet, no matter what age you are, no matter what situation or position you're in. He wants to move you forward. He hasn't given up hope on you, just like Abraham. He didn't give up hope on Abraham. Didn't give up hope on David or Joseph. He's not giving up hope on you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for those that are here. I thank you that, Lord, that you just put your spirit upon them so that they can be encouraged to walk out and know that you are with them, you're empowering them, you're giving them fuel, you're giving them the faith to believe you for all that you've promised them. So for this, Father, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise God.